Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron Sports Welcome, everybody, to an awesome night. Welcome, everybody, to the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. We're going to have a fantastic show for you this evening. So glad you can join us here tonight. It is now 9.30 p.m., July 8th, 2022, and we're going to bring you a great show. Just wanted to go ahead and make sure that you understand and know that, unfortunately, Aaron is on vacation this week, so he couldn't join us for the show tonight. But that's okay, because on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show, the show must go on. If you would like to join me live on the show, talk about a topic, you're more than welcome. Please give me a call at 516-418-5572. Again, that number for you is 516-418-5572. You're open to disagree. You don't have to agree with me. We can have a nice debate. But we don't take anything personal. But first and foremost, let me let you know that tonight's show is sponsored by our one and only Chef G's Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. That's right, Chef G's Barbecue Sauce. Please check our website or his website, flbbq.com, and get yourself a four-pack and enjoy it. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I had me uh, some barbecue sauce. We had all four flavors for everyone here for the 4th of July, and it was outstanding. I had my my personal favorite, which is Heat Wave, with some ribs. It was delicious. One of my friends tried the Fusion flavor. He loved it. And I, somebody else tried the original. Just great barbecue sauce. So check it out. Thank you again, Chef G's. Barbecue Sauce, Chef G, for being our great sponsor. We got an amazing show for you. And let me start today's show with something a little different. It was something unique. It was awesome. And it was something I'll never forget. I want to thank Chantal Hevia for the Tampa Baseball Museum here in Ybor City. Give her a round of applause. And that's Chantal Hevia for the Tampa Baseball Museum in Ybor City. She was so wonderful and gave us a private tour of the museum on Wednesday. We filmed. You guys could check out that video. It was finished and edited and ready for you today, this morning, Friday. It's on the Facebook page, the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Facebook page. Check it out. Watch it. Boy, I tell you, that that experience was truly amazing. It really was. You know, to go through the rich history that Tampa has in Ybor City of the baseball players that started here, it all began from Al Lopez. Al Lopez, for those who don't know, was the first player and manager and Hall of Fame in the National Hall of Fame inductee from the Tampa Bay area. 
and he went ahead and taught his friends how to play and it's just amazing the amount of history that went back in time going through that museum all the nice artifacts how the cubans learned and their baseball and the connection with cigars so you don't want to spoil the surprise you got to watch that video that's what that's for but man it was an amazing tour you know i i didn't know what to expect when i got there i really didn't i noticed she was giving us a private tour where a day when the museum was closed so we're very very appreciative of that and it and we lo and behold we ended up being here for two hours we edited the video down to a little less than an hour because of so much rich information that it was hard to just cut out details. So it is something that you want to go ahead and check out. That is the Tampa Baseball Museum in Ebor. And uh, one thing about the great place is that you can go ahead and visit it. Let me give you the address. It's at 2003 North 19th Street in Tampa. And it's 2003 North 19th Street in Tampa. The website is www.tampabaseballmuseum.org. Again, that's tampabaseballmuseum.org. Check them out, support them, and enjoy the Tampa Baseball Museum. And we have a great call on the line. Let me bring them on. Uh, one and only. Thanks. Hey, how you doing, Lou? Oh, great, guys. I only got 10 minutes, so I'll make it, so I gotta make it quick because I got sure. to do something else for my other show tomorrow. No <laughs> yeah. problem, buddy. All right. Well, we got the well, we got the free agent frenzy going on, and, boy, it's become a mess already. Yeah. Tell me about it. A lot of free agents, a lot of, go, a lot of moving. Free agents, yep, are you talking about? Yep. Well, Go we got one, you know, more recently because uh, Daniel Lizard uh, got a two-year extension. Yeah, a lot of movement. and You call him Lizard. I call him Lizard. <laughs> so you're happy with the picks? As well as I can. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, I don't know if it's going to help bring the Knicks a championship or whatnot, but, um, you know, we'll take what we can get. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. you got to take what you can get. You know, the Knicks have, have, boy, they've come so close to getting championships, you know, when Patrick Ewing was there but it just didn't materialize. Do you think with these moves, they're going to have a, a good a good run? I'm hoping for it. I'm praying for it. Yeah. So definitely, that's that's exciting. Any other picks that you were excited about? Uh, no, not really. I don't think anything was really surprising either. And the NHL draft that's going on right now, of course, of course, that draws the least attention, I think, from many of the other drafts. Yeah, I think so. And what what was shocking about the NHL draft is that I was I, I was shocked how young I, these guys are. They look so young. Yeah. Yeah, but I wasn't too surprised on Montreal's pick. I mean, everybody thinking it's like that's so controversial and draws some growers. But I don't think it was so controversial at all. That was expected. Yeah. It wasn't expected. You're right about I that. I don't know what the hell they were looking at, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the Rangers are going to improve? Well, I hope so. I mean, you know, we should have won that series. And to make matters even worse, on opening night, they're going to face each other in, in the opening game. 
Oh, the Rays. I'm sorry, the Lightning and and the Rangers. And the Rangers. Yep. Wow. The yeah, schedule was I mean, released yesterday. If it's any conciliation, I think the Lightning squeaked by and won that series, but I think they paid for it the next series. I think they were just they were just exhausted. Absolutely. They were just too tired. They could not and injured. Injured. Yeah. I think they were more over. Yeah, I think they were more tired than injured. I think they were injured too, but that fatigue was just very glaring. I told him not to make out the night before a game. <laughs> yeah. Does it every time. Yeah, and that that's the thing. But uh, they, the Rangers did really well. You know, they, you know, all, yeah. things all things considered, they made a deep run. And yeah. so did the Lightning, but it was, at the end, the team that was the most rested and most prepared won the series. Yes. And of course Sunday we had the uh we had that league's championship of that league. That's right. Very few watched, but what but the few but the few that did watch, hey, I thought it was a great game. <laughs> yeah. So Really I thought they did it I thought it was a great game. Yeah, I, I did too. I did too. Yeah. Yeah, thirty-three thirty. You couldn't get between. That was been the most of your Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah. Got that right. So you know, it wasn't it wasn't that bad of a game at all. No, and you're right about that. No. I mean, very few watched, of course. You know, it didn't hold. It didn't hold up very well. But you know, that was expected too. I mean, nobody, you know, because it's not like the the USFL that we knew. Yeah. Well, well at least, that, at least I, you enjoyed I, it. I, about you, but I did. That's good to hear. I mean, you're I mean, you're younger than I am, so you might not remember the original uh, USFL. Yeah, I, I definitely don't. It's it's right. But I did want to get your right. your thoughts on something. What are your thoughts on yep. Baker Mayfield being traded to, to Carolina? Two words there on that, I'm sorry. Wow. Sorry to Carolina? Yeah, I feel sorry for anybody who takes him. Well, he's your headache now. Yeah. Yeah, he's in the the, the tip I can't of... say anything about Cam, I can't say anything about bad about Cam Newton because his because his cousin will kill me. <laughs> His cousin's my co-host, so I can't say anything bad about him, even though I might want to. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you had Cam Newton on your show? No, I'm hoping that maybe uh, my co-host can probably get him on. That'd be awesome. Definitely. Cam Newton, that he's would, always That'd uh... be unreal. Why don't you be trying to get Wayne Newton, but no, no, no. Oh, boy. Okay. Ooh, that was bad. Yeah, <laughs> that was a that was a bad joke. Yeah, I actually wanted to get Isaac Newton. You know. <laughs> well, all all joking aside, we'll cover the headaches of the uh, of the NBA free agency, which will run the next week as well. 
the NHL draft, which could take about up to three, which could take up to three months to get it done. Uh, we'll talk about the USFL, uh, the NHL schedule, uh, the finals of Wimbledon. Get that in mind, everybody. We got that's that. We got the women's finals tomorrow. The men's finals uh, it's on Sunday. So take care of that. And I got some UFC and um, the WWE news as well. But I'm going to let my co-host handle that part because uh, what I heard today was something went downright ugly. Wow. So, yeah. But I'm going to let Steve handle that. So you got a great show there. Definitely. That's right. So for yeah. those who don't know, that's the Enhanced Sports Show between 5 and 7 tomorrow, Eastern Standard Time Zone. Now there's another thing uh, we're gonna be doing. We're gonna be doing another video. Okay, I guess what it's five one two five four three four six six two. Call in tomorrow and I'll explain the I'll explain everything how it's working. Yep, five one two five four right. three four six two six two. All right, that's our buddy Lou. Yeah, he was in a rush today, but that's all right. He's always on on the line to support our show. Make sure you guys support him too. Thank you so much, Lou, for calling in. Yeah, I want to give you my thoughts on the Baker Mayfield trade. I think this is this is really a mess for the Browns. I, you know, they got the suspension looming for Deshaun Watson. Then you had to move Baker Mayfield. So now you have to get somebody else in there to play quarterback. So because they kind of went for Deshaun Watson, who was a risk, this whole thing kind of blew up. And now you kind of left the question where they're better off just sticking with Baker Mayfield. You know, I think in Carolina, it's going to be interesting to see how he does. But the good thing about for this for Baker is that he's going to have a fresh start, a new beginning. You know, it's been a lot of drama that he's been dealing with over the last year. So he'll get a chance to get a clear head and just focus on football. So that's, that's good. I think that's always a good thing in – a lot of times you get a change of scenery. So for Baker Mayfield, that's a good opportunity. He's going to have Christian McCaffrey. Hopefully Christian will be healthy, and that will help him out. He'll have another great running back just like he had in Cleveland. So I think he's going to actually do – he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. So I think Baker's going to do pretty good this year. I uh, just definitely – it does change things a bit. The, the Bucks do have to watch out for him. But I, I definitely know that it was at least at this point for the Browns a good move to move him because you already kind of spilled the beans with getting to Sean Watson. So it kind of showed that you really didn't want him there to begin with. So we'll see what happens on that end. And other NFL news, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys know that You'll be seeing soon a, a series of on YouTube. I'm going to start doing some, since I watch a lot of documentaries, I'm going to start giving you my, my reviews on YouTube on the documentaries. Some of, a lot of them are football, some aren't, but I'll start giving you my reviews, post them up so you guys get a chance to see them, give your thoughts. I'll give you my thoughts on it. You can give your thoughts on it. And I'll even put a little disclaimer that in some of the reviews, it will have a spoiler alert, meaning I will be mentioning a couple of things that have happened in the documentary. So if you haven't watched it, you have an opportunity to watch it first and then tell me if you agree or disagree. 
So that's going to be coming up soon in the near future. But in the meantime, I did want to talk about one 30 for 30 that I did watch. And I'll give you my thoughts on that. And the reason why is because it was a 4th of July weekend. And it's one of those things. It's this. It's it was one of those eating contest documentaries that uh, that uh, involved the Takira Kobayashi and Joey Chestnut, and that that's one of the ones that I just recently watched. Let me give you the full title of it: The Good, the Bad, the Hungry. Again, that's the good, the bad, the hungry. And it came to my mind because I recently watched it. And then we had the 4th of July, which just passed. And the eating contest, the hot dog eating contest was full in effect. For those who don't know, Takiri Kobayashi was the original rival to Joey Chestnut many, many years ago. To make a long story short, Kobayashi had some issues. And then he could not compete. He pretty much got did wrong. To make a long story short, I'll give you that full synopsis on my review. But basically, after watching this documentary, Takiru Kobayashi, who was Joey Chestnut and was actually beating Joey Chestnut for a few years, it took Joey a time to catch up to him. And I think the only reason why he really did catch up to him was because Kobayashi had a lot of things that were working against him. One of the things in particular was the fact that the person who announces the awards, George Shea, came out and just said publicly, and he said it repeatedly, that he wanted Joey Chestnut, an American, to win. And I think that was foul. That was wrong. You might, you might feel that way. You might think that way, but you can't publicly say that. You're the announcer. You have to be neutral. You cannot voice that you want the other guy to win when you're announcing both of them. And he basically made Kobayashi feel like an outsider. And that's not really the American way. It doesn't matter if you're Japanese, if you're Chinese, you're Korean, if you're from India, if you're white or black. What we want to see as Americans is the best of the best. If you're the best and you're from another country, that's great. You're the best, and you're from our country, that's great also. But we don't want to have competition that we feel is a, if it's unfair. After watching this documentary, I felt as if Kobayashi got treated wrong. And that's the reason, you know, you didn't know all these details until you watched the documentary and what was going on with him because he lives in Japan. But they did him wrong. After dominating for so many years, they – Wanted Joey to win. Joey was coming up short against his rival, Kobayashi. They found a way to hate on Kobayashi. And basically, he, he got a broken heart. He didn't feel, after winning so many years, that he was treated any different. And then he, the reality came to the fact that, hey, you're Japanese. You're from Japan. We want our American guy to win. And even the announcer said that. And it was just Bush League, in my opinion. It, wasn't, it, it ruined the fabric of fair competition. So after watching the documentary, the, the Good, the Bad, the Hungry, I left saying to myself, instead of how great Joey Chestnut is, and I bet Joey Chestnut got his picture, 
I felt actually sorry for Kobayashi after watching the documentary because I felt like he got did really wrong. And so much so that I said this in social media. And Kobayashi actually liked my comment. I was like, man, I'm sorry they did you wrong. Come back next year. Challenge Joey Chestnut. Because now it's boring. Joey just wins every year. Nobody's really going to compete with him. He won by at least 15-plus dogs this year, 20-plus, and somebody interrupted him. So it just goes to show you it's, it's great for Joey that he gets to win all these years, but it really doesn't have that competitive nature without Kobayashi, and he's really the only one who could compete with him. So I would say in any competition, if you want the best of the best, you have to keep the competition fair. And it was other some other contractual things that kept Kobayashi from doing his thing. Even if Kobayashi wanted to do an event in Japan or any place else, the company that basically ran the Nathan Hot Dog Contest wanted 20% of his earnings, even if it wasn't even the hot dog eating contest in Nathan's. They were being very greedy. Corporate America stepped in to be greedy, and that's what ruined the competition also. That was the other side, too. They cut it down to 10 minutes instead of 12. Then I think the, to kind of save money on, on water and juice, they cut down how many juice, how much water you can have. It was just ridiculous. Corporate America came in and ruined it, too. So it wasn't just the announcer. It was corporate America. And I'll talk more about this during my video vlog of it. But, yes, I, I did also want to go ahead and update you on some great Major League Baseball. You know, I, I have to say that uh, the Yankees are, are doing fantastic. I mean, they they are really, really first team to get to 60 wins. They are now 14 and a half games ahead of the Rays and 15 games ahead of the Red Sox, which is phenomenal. And, you know, I got to give the props. I got to give, you know, things can change in the season, but I got to give the props to the Yankees. Yeah, the Yankees are my favorite team. Tampa Rays are my second, but they are definitely doing their thing. Congratulations to, to the, temp, the Yankees for getting 60 wins. And the Braves are doing really well, too. That's Aaron's team. They're they're only three and a half games back of the Mets. So they're they're moving up. They're doing uh, their thing. And uh, we kind of touched on this a little bit about Freddie Freeman. He's, he's still having some emotional discussion when he talks about the Braves. I, I think his teammates are now starting to little make – so the Dodgers are starting to make, you know, little snide remarks that they're getting irritated with the, you know, the constant crying, the emotional baggage that he's carrying because he feels guilty about leaving. You know, as I stated, Freddie's got to move on. You know, you made a decision to leave the Braves. This had nothing to do with your agent. You wanted to play games. You wasn't assertive enough that you wanted to come back. You wanted to kind of test free market, free agency. 
they gave you a deadline, and they're the money was vir- virtually about the same, except the Dodgers gave one less year. So you made a decision, you made your bed, so you got to lie in it. You know, time moves on. You're in a situation now. You got to look at it like this: you're playing for the Dodgers. The the Dodgers right now are in first place, six games ahead of the Padres. So you are playing at first. The Braves are three and a half games back behind the Mets. So you are top of your division. And I know it's it's a tough pill to swallow, but you you have to move on. You made a decision. This is a this is on you. I don't think it's the agent's fault. I think it was your fault. You call the shots and I think this is a way to deflect the blame to the agent. But you got to move on for your teammates and your team. And at this point, you know, it won't be the same if you came back anyway because you've already left. So just keep doing what you're doing and just concentrate on on being the best teammate you can there with with the Dodgers. So, and um, I did want to also discuss – some golf news. And this is about the LIV and the PGA Tour. I definitely do feel as if the PGA Tour handled this situation horribly wrong and made Live Golf actually look good. So much so that I'm siding now with a lot of the players that made the decision to go with Live Golf of making a great decision because, hey, I, I think it's hypocritical to talk about the Saudis and say, hey, you, you're taking money from a country that doesn't have great human rights. Here in America, that's, there are a lot of issues here, too. Without getting political, there's a lot of issues here, too. And I, I think as a community of golf, we need to move on. I, you know, I see too many of these debates, live golf. You know, people deflecting to go to live golf, making a decision against people at PJ Tour. Listen, they made their decision. It is what it is. You know, I'm, I'm sick and tired of seeing Roy McIlroy say that this is his baby to PJ Tour. You said it already once. You said it twice. Said it three times. Okay, enough is enough. You love the PJ Tour. And it's your bread and butter. You have a lot of affiliation, a lot of history with it. But just because your love and affiliation is with the PJ Tour, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way it is with everybody. When I worked with a company, I, I was the top performer, and I was the top performer with the company before that. And I realized being a top performer that in both companies – and even a third company, I was a top performer. You might really love the job. That's me. And you might be a top performer. But they can only be somebody who's at the top. And not only that, my feeling may not be the same as someone down the road, lower down the ladder. Because the treatment is different. The pay is different. And the perks and everything else that comes along with it is different. Plus, when you're not on the top, you know, Corporate America does its thing, and they they make sure that you don't have a good time there. You know, they always tell you you need to pick it up. So Rory's got to understand that, you know, his friends have made a decision. you got to respect their decision. 
I remember when I was a kid and I was working at a company, I was a top performer. Somebody made the decision that they want to leave the company. I was making long story short, I was giving a person a hard time for leaving. And I felt bad because then everybody was like, hey, Alan, you got to let the person make the decision. It may not be what you want to do. You might have a different decision, but you got to, at the end of the day, let people make their own decisions. And that's what I think about Live Golf and the players that have made the decision. You got to respect the decision. You may not have done the same thing, but it is what it is. And I think a lot of people said that they wouldn't do this the same thing. They would, you know, a lot of the players, they left because yes, the money, but if you listen to what they also said was they had to play less golf, less, less golf, less weird tier. So that also was a benefactor to their moving too. Yes, money was a big factor, but I think the other benefits, less golf, they get a chance to play in a different type of format. And let's be honest, you know, a lot of the players that moved were very good players and excellent, but they weren't, you know, like Tiger Woods in his prime where you, he was either going to win the tournament or at least be in the top, let's say, three to five. They weren't in that category. They would have – they were more streaky type players. They could win a, a tournament today. You won't see them win another tournament for eight, nine months. So they weren't consistently winning all the time. They weren't like a, a – you know, I would say a, a person who always finished in the top 30 always finished in the top five. You know, if they didn't win the competition, they were at least in the top five, let's say. Most of those players did have the capability of finishing tournaments well, but they usually, their track history, if you look at it, they were very streaky. So here was a guaranteed money. You know, it was it was a very lucrative opportunity for them. You know, you got to look at it like that, guaranteed money. You know, with the PJ Tour, you got to earn your way, which is true, but when you are playing these tournaments, you have expenses too. You have bills. You have things you had to travel expenses. It's nice to have a guaranteed contract sometimes. So enough with the Live Golf PGA Tour conflict. Live Golf is here, and you might as well just embrace it. We're going to try to see what we can do to, to showcase some events, some more golf golf events here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. Get you some more insight and keep you posted on that as well. I did want to talk some boxing, some boxing news. Let me give you some uh, boxing updates. Yeah, it does seem as if the Tommy Fury Jake Paul fight is a thing in the past, and it is over. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like Tommy Fury can get into the country to fight. So they have made a decision that they're going to move on, and he's not going to no longer fight him. Let me just tell you my thoughts on that. I think Tommy Fury is going to lose this fight. I really do. I think Tommy Fury, to me, really did not want this fight. You know, I got the impression that even though he got everything he wanted, the money, the extra tickets, everything he asked for, and then some, 
Jake Paul was accommodating to. But I think deep down, Tommy Fury knew that he could win. He could, Jake Paul could win this fight, and Tommy Fury's career could be over. He knew it, and he knew there was pressure on him. So I think he just didn't want to fight him. That's what I think. Now, there is this thing with him not being able to come into the country, but to me, it doesn't seem as if Tommy Fury really made a genuine effort to dispute this. If you had a great big deal looming and you really wanted to get back in the country, you would at least say and verbally say what you did to, to make this happen. I went to the embassy today. I spoke to this person today. I did this to try to get, get this rectified. You're telling me now it's been over a week or so. You don't know why you're not let into the country, the U.S.? That's a big thing. You know, at least you should have went to the embassy. You should have did your part and document to us what you did so you could make the fight happen. To just say a blanket statement on Twitter, I'm not allowed in the country, I don't know why, and I'll fight you in a neutral country anytime, place. That's easy to say. You know, you, you said that on Twitter. Your actions are not lining up with your words. You didn't say, I went to the embassy today. They're reviewing this. They're checking into this. They're seeing if they can make an exception. You didn't say anything of that nature, which means that you didn't make the effort, which also means you didn't want to take this fight. You didn't want this fight to happen. And as far as people saying, hey, Jake Paul should, should have fought Tommy Fury in the U.K., that's not an easy move because – most of Jake Paul's fans are here in the U.S. Him going to the U.K. also, he has to have the network to go to the U.K. too. And it gets a lot more expensive for Jake Paul because now all of your team have to fly to the U.K., whereas you would have been able to stay where you're at and Tommy Fury come here. And I really think that even if Jake Paul would have said, okay, we'll fight in the U.K. and made some other arrangements on the pay or what have you, I really believe Tommy Fear would have found a way to fake an injury or, or not do it anyway. You could tell when somebody really doesn't want to do something. You know, you could tell because he, he gave all of these requests, and I think he was hoping Jake Paul was like, no, he stopped them along the way. No, I'm not going to honor this request. I'm not going to honor that one. So he could use that excuse, but the reality is, Tommy Fury did not want to take this fight. That is what it is. Yes, you had to hold up. There's smoke. There's fire. You did not want to take this fight. You did not make, at least in my opinion, a great enough effort to get back in the country. You had this issue. You would be saying, hey, because let's say you wanted to go to U.S. for another reason outside of Jake Paul. You would want to get this rectified. Hey, I'm having trouble coming to the U.S., can you please tell me why or what do I need to do to clear this up? You would at least went to the embassy. You would at least made those steps. You didn't do it. You didn't want this fight. Now, the only thing with Jake Paul is, is that he's now going to fight Hazem Rahman, who is a sparring partner that Jake Paul used to fight. His record is 12-1, and he did lose his last fight. Jake Paul's record is 5-0. The biggest thing with Rahman is that 
he has over 100 professional fights, 100 you know, amateur fights. So this is a big risk for Jake Paul, a lot bigger risk than Tommy Fury. I feel as if he would have beat Tommy Fury with a knockout. But now the table has turned. Has a Robin could very well knock out Jake Paul. And not only that, Robin is also longer and bigger of a fighter. So this did turn, I would say, it flip-flopped and went to Jake Paul's disadvantage. Because I really do believe in skill set, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury was more of a competitive match. I feel like this is a competitive mismatch now with Robert. Yes, he, he did spar with him, but this guy has a lot of boxing tenure and a boxing experience. Even if Jake Paul was not Jake Paul, he was a guy who just had a 5-0 and record, I would be concerned with this fight. Unless you're going to have a boxer who you don't really care, you know, if they what their record is, they can, they can have 15 wins and 12 losses. You know, you don't really care. But I think this is a bit much to take on at such a short boxing career for Jake Paul. So I do feel as if this is a risk for Jake Paul, more of a risk now. Things have changed. I feel if he's now going to be the underdog in this fight, and it's going to be interesting to see. It's August 6th, so it's coming up soon, too, less than a month away. And we'll keep you posted. But I, I do think now Jake Paul is in the hot seat. And now we got a fight that's coming up That's with Ryan Garcia that's coming up real soon. And that's Ryan Garcia against Fortuna, Javier Fortuna. I think this is going to be a, a real shock to Ryan Garcia. I think Fortuna, if he fights a, a very smart and intelligent fight, I think he has a shot of beating Ryan because the main reason why I feel as if he has a very good chance of beating Ryan Garcia is that Ryan Garcia's attention is on Tank Davis. I've never seen a fighter come into a fight against someone else and not even say two or three words about that fighter but they're talking about another fighter they want to fight after this fight. And when you overlook someone to that bad of degree, every interview Ryan Garcia is talking about, Ryan, he's talking about Tank Davis or Devin Haney. He's not talking about Javier Fortuna at all, as if he's just going to be a pushover and it'll be an easy fight. He doesn't even mention him. This is a recipe for disaster. I just think... Ryan Garcia's mouth and, he just, and his focus are not where it needs to be. Before you can start talking about Tate Davis and Devin Haney, you need to take care of business against Fortuna. You have to take care of the, the fight on him. Talk about him. Talk about what your game plan is, how you're going to beat him, instead of talking about the man past him. And you don't even know if you're going to fight Tate Davis, even if you do win this fight. But I'll tell you one thing for sure your chance of fighting Tate Davis or Devin Haney is going to be diminished considerably if you lose the fight. So I will give you my prediction on the fight next week when we talk next Friday, but I do think Ryan Garcia 
uh, he needs to stop with the social media and he needs to stop letting Tank Davis live in his head rent-free. It's like all he talks about is fighting Tank Davis. Let me give you a food for thought, Ryan Garcia. Just about nobody thinks you can beat Tank Davis. You can talk until you're blue in the face. You can talk to your Reddit face. You can put all the Twitter, your fingers are, get tied on Twitter. It doesn't matter. People do not think you can beat Tank Davis, A, and they don't think you can beat Devin Haney, B. That's the way it is. Until you start beating boxers in the ring, winning in the ring, people are going to look at you as a joke because all you do is talk. And I agree with them. You talk a lot and you fight very little. And speaking of fighting very little, just like I told somebody, I was skeptical that the Terrence Crawford and Bud Crawford fight is actually going to be made. We're now months away from both guys saying it's the next should be the next fight. They don't think there's any hiccups. But lo and behold, just like I predicted, they say that Errol signed his contract, but Bud Crawford has not signed his. So it does not surprise me. This is what it is in boxing. You know, they'll find a way to mess this fight up so they don't even fight this year. And then they'll both wind up fighting someone else. And then two, three years down the road when they're past their prime, they might look at this again. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that they sign this contract already because it's getting, it's just, it's getting old already. You either want to fight the guy or you don't. You know, make a decision. Make a decision. Whether you're Bud Crawford holding it up, whether you're Errol Spence, make a decision. I, I think it's Bud Crawford holding this up. I think, I honestly think, Bud Crawford is lacking confidence. I, I do. I don't think this is a money thing. I don't think this is a a situation where, you know, both of them know that they should fight each other, but they're holding but I feel as if Bud Crawford is holding up because I think I think Bud is a little a little scared. You know? He it's one thing you can practice all day long. You know, that's what they you know, one of the kids said in the short game, the movie, the short game, you can practice all day long, but if you don't have confidence, it doesn't really matter. You're not confident in your ability to win or beat your opponent. And if you're not confident that you want to fight the best and be known as the guy that fights the best, there's nothing else people could do for you. Yes, you can retire and be in the hall of fame, bud, but no one's going to look at you as one of the all time greats. You'll, you'll be a Hall of Famer who really doesn't have much of a resume because you didn't fight the best of the best. You really didn't, especially in your division. The welterweight division, you didn't fight no Keith Thurman. You didn't fight Errol. You know, you beat, I'll give you that, you, you beat Kell Brook, but Kell Brook was way past his prime. But you beat Kell Brook and you beat Jeff Horn. But you didn't fight Keith Thurman. You didn't fight, you know, Danny Garcia. You didn't fight some of the, you know, some of the top guys in the division, Ugas. You know, so I think beating Errol makes you unified, cements your legacy, 
proves to everybody that you're the best. And there's a lot of upside to it aside from money. So go ahead and think about it. If I were you, I would take the fight. You know, would it, people are not going to put you in elite status of a Hall of Famer right now without fighting it. somebody elite. You might as well do it. You haven't fought an elite fighter yet. That's a fact. You know, you have not fought an elite fighter. Sean, Sean Porter, he's a great fighter, very good, but he's not elite. You know, that's the thing. You have to fight an elite fighter. And the only way we know you can do it is if you get in the ring and do it. So this is food for thought. Let's make this fight happen. And don't do like Floyd. You know, wait around, wait around. You have people, they were hungry for it. They wanted it. You got to eat. One person told me this, and I give him credit because this goes through in life. You have to eat the spaghetti while it's hot not while it's cold. Eat the spaghetti while it's hot, not while it's cold. You got people salivating. They're really hungry for this fight. They want to see it. They're anxious. And I can see now the the interest is starting to trickle down to the other side of people starting to lose interest because they don't think the fight's going to happen. So strike the iron while it's hot. Make the fight happen. You know, let's see. Let's see what you're going to do. A lot of great things here in the sports world, too, that's going on. I definitely want to say, you know, best wishes and prayers for great health and healing to Lou Pinella. Spoke to him earlier today, and he didn't sound like he was doing too good. He, in fact, he said so. So it, it made me worry and think about him. Definitely many prayers and thoughts for continued health and healing for our good buddy, Lou Pinella. Hope he's, you know, can turn things around. And with that private tour that we did with the Tampa Baseball Museum, the great thing with that is that we was able to, you know, give Lou his props and talk about Lou in that video. So I hope that picks up his spirit, brightens up his day. But, you know, when your health is not doing great, you're kind of feeling the down. I really hope that, uh, Things can turn around for Lou Pinella. He can get back healthy again, and we can see him again. So definitely want to shout out to Lou Pinella. And also wanted to go ahead and say to everybody, let me give you the, our phone number in the future, 516-418-5572. Four one eight five five seven two, and you can also follow us right there on our Facebook page at Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Please also follow us on iHeartRadio, Alan and Aaron, and YouTube. Please uh, follow us there, Alan Alford. Definitely, we're going to give you some great comments, content. We appreciate all the followers. And I definitely wanted to thank our great sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Thank you. So addictive, so delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. That's right. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. Chef G's Famous Barbecue Sauce. Definitely check out his flbbq.com, flbbq.com, our sponsor. So 
congratulations to Chef. I did see he just got another certification too, to even more reason to support Chef G's barbecue sauce and Chef G. Definitely keep doing what you're doing and doing the excellent things. And I'm going to keep you guys posted on our Facebook page of any new updates. And I hope on Aaron's behalf, he will have him back in a couple of weeks on vacation. I hope you guys have stayed safe out there and make sure, because this has happened a few times during the week, it's really, really hot out there. Heat index over 100 degrees here in Florida. Please make sure you check your car before you leave that you don't leave any infants or any pets in the car because it gets hot really fast. We've had, I did see a couple of unfortunate fatalities with kids being left in the car. You know, this not just in Florida, it's happened in other states. So please check your car and do not leave your kids in a car. And with that being said, I hope you guys have a blessed weekend. Be safe and sad out there. Be well. Thank you for listening to the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Subscribe and check out us on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.